were chopped off his head with his own sword. Even today, the Western Woods is a haunted place where brave men will not venture. For what was planted in the ground that day was a seed of evil. And so it has been for 20 years. But now the Hessian wakes. He's on the rampage, cutting off heads where he finds them. Are you saying, is that what you believe? Seeing is believing. Lost the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. I don't get to say my own name no, now. No. We. We. Then the reason is because we don't take ourselves too seriously. Well. The, the, so that I. I regret <laughs> to inform you, Bryn, that I will have to take myself a little seriously right now and say, and Jeremy. Okay. And today, we are finished with the two thousands. That's right. And we are entering. A new face. We don't have a name for it. It's spooky season. It's spooky season. Chain, 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 chain. (laughs) (laughs) I have a chain somewhere around here. Should have prepared it. It's spooky season, folks. It's October. It's and, feeling uh, great outside. It feels great outside. The leaves are crispy beneath your feet. Oh, uh, the wind just not has... quite. It's they're starting to change color though. Yeah, the wind has a has a has a crispness to it. It's mm. chilly. It's jacket season. It's denim jacket season. Denim jacket season. It soon will be slightly heavier jacket season and then heavy jacket season. Yes, as we love. We love we love the progression of jacket size <laughs> and thickness. Yes, I have one jacket. For this season, and then have another jacket for another season. I do too. Yeah, it's I have, fantastic. I, I have my whole lineup for the year ready to go. I'm so <laughs> excited. I got a new November jacket. Yeah. That uh, I'm I'm pretty excited to debut this year. Oh, but I won't see it. You won't see it. Well, maybe you will because I'm going to be Come here back for, for the. Or I'm, well, I'm going to be back for the for the wedding, uh, for Ooh, Joe Strix's right. wedding uh, at the beginning of November. Oh, cool. So I'm going to be here, and I'll debut. Jacket time. I will debut my November jacket here <laughs> in New York. <laughs> Fashion City USA. Fashion City USA. Uh, <laughs> that's what they call it. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are going to be talking about, you know, so the for the past two years of this show, mostly what we've been doing for Halloween and 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 the fall season is uh, horror movies, mm-hmm. as we're you know you'd expect. Uh, this year we decided to go a little softer and do sort of Halloween themed or like spooky themed yeah spooky adjacent spooky uh, adjacent halloween month yeah it's all stuff that feels halloweeny but isn't necessarily a classical horror film right because the the ones we're going into later in the month are further from it than this one sleepy hollow i feel like is probably the scariest movie we'll watch this month yes they're all sort of gonna be like like i like to think of some of these movies as like the uh the stuff they show on tv for christmas mm. if we lived in a cooler culture that liked halloween as much as i do well there's <laughs> like um, tv for there's like, the one family. channel um there's one channel that does like the month-long like 30 days of halloween thing oh yeah and they're always showing shit like this yeah that's the kind of stuff i wanted to watch this, this and, month. like monster squad and stuff like uh-huh, that monster yeah. house yeah we should have put monster one. squad on the list Wolfman's got nets. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can swap it in. Oh no, I like the ones we have. I do too. We could watch a double. We could. We could do a we could do a bonus or two where we watch. We one. could do such a thing. Uh, but so that's what we're going to talk about this week. But as always, before we get to our feature presentation, what else did you watch this week? Thank you for asking. You are welcome. So uh, there's a few shows that are back. Uh, now starting new seasons we have shows are back we've got new atlanta uh which i uh, gotta watch that show sometime you gotta watch it it's so good 
Uh, new season, pretty good so far. I only watched the first two episodes, but they're already fucking nice. Very good. <laughs> oh, yeah? They're back in Atlanta. Last season, they were in Europe on tour. Now they are back in Atlanta. It's the final season. Uh, there was a very fun episode that was like a scavenger hunt sort of a thing. <laughs> but it's, a uh, this is the third season? This is the fourth, I believe. Fourth. Fourth and final. Fourth and final. Uh, so that's back. It's very good. I will talk about it more in depth in the coming weeks as the season progresses. Uh, additionally, uh, Handmaid's Tale is back. Really? And uh, June has escaped Gilead. She's in Canada now. And uh, in the first two episodes, she is uh, she is shell-shocked. She is traumatized. Sure. She, is, uh, she murders uh, Fred at the beginning of the season or at the end of last season, uh, the, the guy who enslaved her. Uh, he she she like finds a way to get him into no man's land and murders him. Okay. Uh, and now she's like she she her her bloodthirst is unquenched, <laughs> and she needs to she's considering going back to Gilead to just murder more. That's cool. It is pretty cool. I hope she's like the Punisher for 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 traumatized white ladies. Yes, I hope that that's exactly <laughs> where the season's going. Quite frankly, uh, I'm really sick of the pattern that the show has been in for for all these years i really hope that they just straight up are just like june gets a gun now <laughs> a big one she's like cable from the x-men yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not even an ar-15 it's like the. it's just a gigantic it's fucking, like a gatling gun from predator what's his name rob liefeld it's like a big fucking yeah. rob liefeld gun it doesn't it does, even make sense yeah, it's just, huge <laughs> it's like a slab of iron yeah <laughs> what's even going on in there it doesn't matter it's holding more bullets who cares it's huge it has <laughs> enormous bullets and there's 10,000 of them. That'd be cool. They give her Gundam uh, heavy arms. I like, I, I feel. <laughs> Remember heavy arms from Gundam? Give June a Gundam. Well, but, so Gundams are one thing, but heavy arms is the Gundam that also was just covered in guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it had like two double Gatling guns and like guns on its shoulders and missiles and stuff. <laughs> I hope they, I, I like any, any show that makes people mad about killing fascists mm-hmm. i think that's cool the thing about i like i think people need to be more desensitized to killing fascists yes the the thing with handmaid's tale that's i that i always find very interesting is that like somehow conservatives still haven't noticed it i think i've seen people i never see any like hand ringy sort of like i can't believe they're making a show about killing christians Mm, and it seems like it would because yeah. it is about Christians. It's very explicitly like they are some sort of weird fusion of Orthodox Jews and Christians. Right. They turn the Washington Monument into a big cross. It really doesn't get more like upfront mm. than that <laughs> about what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. They must just ignore it because it is too. I mean, because you can't defend it really. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But in any event, that's back so to uh, no, not really. It's oh. it's a trashy show. I feel at this point, like it's kind of it feels a lot like <laughs> watching um, like Orange is the New Black in like later seasons, where you're just like, this is just trashy, empty calorie shit yeah. that like you know is just kind of like filling the time between like deciding to brush my teeth and deciding to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm flossing <laughs> while I watch this. Yeah, I lo- <laughs> this is my flossing show. Yeah, I love watching <laughs> these women get traumatized while I floss. <laughs> so that's cool. That's back. And, uh, but then there's a new show that I'm watching, uh-huh. uh, a brand new show called welcome to Wrexham. Oh, which is I've a documentary series this. about, uh, um, Rob, Rob Mc- McElhenney from uh, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia and uh, Ryan, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds from Hollywood. Mr. Uh, Deadpool Mr. himself. Mr. Deadpool himself. And the two of them together buy a, uh, a low league soccer team in Wales uh, with the intention of, I guess, like building them up and making them a bigger team or whatever. It seems like it's mostly just like a fun. I'm going to tell you this. Midlife crisis project. For I them. saw this trailer on Twitter. Mm hmm. And I was like, this looks so good. But I'm going to wait for Jeremy to watch it and tell me if it's good. It's good. Because <laughs> I knew you'd watch it. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's okay, very good. funny. Uh, it's it's not very funny. It's it's very fun, I should say. It's, uh, it's pretty enjoyable. It does a great job as a lot of these series that I've talked about on here before, like um, like the Sunderland show. I don't remember what it was called. but uh, Oh. Um, like Sunderland Till yes. I Die or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh yeah it's 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 a lot like that type of show where it's it's as much about the community around the club as it is about the club itself 
they go into like the history of the club. They but this one's real. This is real. I mean, something until I die is real too. Oh right, but they're you think of Ted Lasso. Um, is no, not, not real. That. I'm not thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen that show. No, Sunderland Till I Die <laughs> is is also about a real club. They're much more successful than Wrexham. Wrexham are like a almost a non-league team. They're like right, barely but Sunderland professional. is also sad, and yes. it's about them losing all the time. Well, and this so is, is about them putting a bunch of money into a losing team and seeing yes, what happens. Exactly. Wrexham still is losing as of where we're up to right now. However. The idea is that you get them better. That you get this them better a, because Ryan Reynolds is is has a lot of money. This is a Brooklyn Nets type of idea. Yes, exactly. Uh, take takes takes about a decade, but, but it's, then they'll get good. But it's even crazier because it's like the way that sports are set up over there is like these guys are like basically a beer league team. You know, like they're like they're what's a, few, a beer league? Like a like a softball league that like banks play it you know what i mean like when like your office puts together a oh, softball yeah, team yeah, and yeah. plays against other offices and whatever like that all basically every level of soccer in in the uk is all part of some sort of a pyramid structure where theoretically if you just keep winning forever you could eventually be in the highest professional tier that exists you know right so i love that idea it's really I, cool i didn't know that and I really wish there was more sports that were set up that way where you could just like go to your like neighborhood park and like be in the league. And then just like if you're good enough, you're in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's uh, wild. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the catalyst for them buying the club because they're the both of them are just like, that's crazy. That that's how that works. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if like we did that? And mm-hmm. then uh, it's all about them kind of like falling in love with this town in Wales and like starting to become part of the culture and also about like the reluctance of the town to accept them at first because they're they're like america because they're from america and because like the club is like hundreds of years old and like means everything to this town you have like guys talking about how like you know this guy is like bringing his son to the games and whatever and he's like you know i remember going to these games with my grandpa and him telling me about going to these games with his grandpa yeah (laughs) and it's like this (laughs) hundreds of years of yeah it's like this shit means a lot to us and like you know i'm bring i'm building memories with my son right now that will mean everything to me and to him and to to future generations whatever and then you're just like okay so the guy who plays deadpool bought this this really culturally significant part of my heart yeah. you know <laughs> this is in uh, like, this is in england uh wales Wales. it's a welsh uh-huh and yeah. they actually th- what's funny is so halfway through the episodes i've watched so far like maybe the fourth or fifth episode of the show after we've like established the club we've met townspeople we've like talked to them about why they did it they have some ups and downs of of like getting the maintenance on the 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 stadium together and whatever because it's like a decrepit and falling apart stadium uh, then they just like cut it short for a second, and they're just like, "We're gonna do a very special episode about what Wales is," <laughs> and they literally do a whole thing where they're just like, "Here's the history of Wales. Here's why it's not England. Here's it's like what England. Welsh culture is. Like here's some stuff about the w- Welsh language, about Welsh food, whatever." Yeah, like, and it's literally the whole episode is just <laughs> it's a very special episode about Wales, <laughs> <laughs> not the animal. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. It's very interesting. Um, and I mean, is uh, they're funny. Like, how's their is is there a lot of Rob and Ryan? There is. There's a fair amount. Um, it's not as frequent as you'd want at the beginning because it starts during the pandemic and like. Oh, they're on. A big part of the story is that they own this team, but they can't really go like watch them and stuff because like they can't really travel very much. They buy it before they go to it. Or yeah, they yeah. Have- they buy it sight unseen. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much did it cost? I don't, they don't really go into that. I feel like that's an interesting, like, was it a hundred thousand dollars? Was it like clear. barely anything? It's not clear how the ownership model works either, because like, in order for them to own it, they have to get like a majority vote of like the fans. Yeah. So I'm not so sure how, how they that, get that works. Uh, well, they do a presentation. They do like a Zoom call with like the supporters trust. Oh, was group. this like pre-COVID? not clear oh i see uh yeah there's some stuff that i wish was a little clearer to be honest Mm, interesting uh there's some stuff that i wish was a little more spelled out there's like a whole thing with like so the stadium is like owned by somebody else and it's like a big problem for the team because it's like a whole revenue stream that they just can't access right 
and it's something that like the fans have been for years being like we need to figure out a way to get the stadium back but like how do we afford to do that uh and and they you know rob and ryan buy the stadium and it's at the end of one of the episodes they're like hey we bought the stadium it's done can we go public about it and the guy's like not yet and they're like all right well let us know when we can and then they do the very special episode about whales and then we don't talk about it again for another like two or three episodes oh, and, I'm no. like, and i'm just like what happened did you guys tell them <laughs> they're gonna be really excited when you tell yeah, them yeah i want to see their faces <laughs> what the fuck maybe they're saving it maybe they're saving it maybe it's like gonna be in a couple episodes not clear interesting uh because i really like i listen to and sometimes watch the uh it's always sunny podcast mm-hmm. uh they're fun good storytellers so not enough rob might be bad for me but mm. if it's a good show i'll check it out there's more rob than there is ryan that's fine i don't care about ryan Reynolds. yeah he's i like him i think he's funny he seems like a genuine person he does joke voice too much which i, I don't, care don't for. love him in movies like, yeah I mean, I, i'm not a fan I, I don't like i don't really have anything against him but like his vibe in movies is usually a little off-putting but he's really sweet and like you can tell especially the two of them like it's it, i mean this is one of those things that i just key into now but like the two of them just love kids and it's like really cute <laughs> to see them interact with kids oh really because I mean, well because i mean especially like you know rob it's like whatever because he's on a you know an adult's show that kids don't know but right. like Ryan Reynolds is like a hero to so many kids because he's, yeah. he's Deadpool and he's Pikachu. Like that's huge. So like, <laughs> kids can't watch Deadpool. I think shouldn't. they can or whatever. Maybe I mean, they it, just know him it's as like, like the a kids character who, like, or whatever. It's like the kids I grew up with who are like, I love Toxic Avenger and RoboCop. It's yeah. like you shouldn't be watching. You shouldn't them. be watching this. But they love the. They I mean, I, w- I watched South Park when I was in like fourth grade. <laughs> but um, uh. Yeah, it's really sweet to like. There's one scene where they're doing like a Q and A with fans, uh, mm-hmm. and like you know people are like, so like why why Wrexham? What made you come here? Whatever. And then like the this kid is just like, what what stuck out to you about Wrexham, uh, and made you decide to buy the club? And he like tells this whole thing about you know like passion and family and like seeing sports with his dad and whatever. And he's like, I just wanted to be a part of that for this town. And the kid's like. That's fine, because me and my dad, we were saying, because Wrexham wears red and Deadpool wears red. And he's like, you're right. You're absolutely <laughs> That's right. Why, That's what actually, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I slipped my mind. That was what it was. <laughs> like, that sort of stuff is, like, charming and funny. And, yeah. you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like laugh out loud, crazy funny. But you're like, cute. that's sweet. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll check it out. What did you watch this okay, week? Okay. I watched a couple things. Uh, I'll quickly mention you that didn't watch Gambo. I didn't watch the Game of Thrones dragon show because I uh, forgot. Well, I, w- I watched it. I, I'll watch it tonight. I was going to watch it tonight. Um, last week, I watched Interstellar mm-hmm. for the first time. And I was so upset because I had hopes that it would be one of the ones that wasn't embarrassing. But it was very embarrassing. And for me, have you seen this movie? No. Uh, Christopher Nolan is uh, he's a hack he's a hack Christopher Nolan is a hack he's a hack but he's not even as much of a hack as his brother who should be in prison he's a brother Jonathan Nolan is the one who writes the worst movies Jonathan Nolan is responsible for, for Westworld mm. um, Westworld is a terribly written show that is embarrassing to watch that feels like csi miami level poor writing yeah but then it's that level of bad writing mixed with this sense that they're much smarter than you it's like listening to a literally like a a child a smarmy child like explain you know robots to you yeah like um actually you don't know about artificial intelligence it's actually this but they're an idiot and they don't know anything right and that's my big problem with interstellar and what frustrates me is that because if it was just a bad movie i don't care like okay it sucks but this is the only guy that hollywood gives hundreds of millions of dollars to do stuff like this like um like here make a whole movie about dreams nobody nobody, i wonder if that's gonna start drying up though i mean it definitely has even for him because he's making oppenheimer now right but like I I just fresh. It's so frustrating to see these like huge swings and such huge whiffs. Like Interstellar is a movie that is about what I'm a. 
It's I, the one with uh, Sandra Bullock, right? No, that's Gravity. With uh, Alfonso, by Alfonso Cuaron. Mm. This one's with Matthew McConaughey. What? He's a farmer who has to go to space. What? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Why? I, there's no reason. It doesn't make any sense. Is, that, uh, is it like an Armageddon scenario? Yes. Where they're like, we, like need, we need somebody who knows how to grow plants. It, 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 no, it's like because he used to be a, an astronaut. What? But then... During he retired some he, extremely he needed a simpler life. No, during some extremely underdeveloped and under thought through revolution of some kind, there's like a huge uh, famine, and so they need more people to work on farms. Mm. Um, and so that's how it would work. So he does that, I guess. Uh yeah, it's a there's a lot of you problems. know they they're always saying how we need we would need the the <laughs> if you think about any of it for too long your mo- your <laughs> nose starts bleeding, it's really upsetting. But this is what I'm saying is that like we don't need any of this backstory because what's amazing there's these like couple incredible scenes where he's away from his family and because of relativity like because of like. He, they have to go to this planet to like see if people have like if this, if it's a livable planet and people have gone before but it's been like years and they haven't heard back and so they're going to like pick up their their signals or whatever and so they go down to the planet but they find out that like doing calculations like every hour on that planet is like seven years hmm. on earth time so he, they have to go down but he's like I, he's like he wants to go back to his family eventually. So they try to go really quick, (laughs) um, like to go pick up the stuff and come back. Um, but there's a huge, it's a all really tumultuous planet and they get fucked up and it takes like two hours. So like 20 takes three hours and 21 years pass. Mm. Um, so they come back after three hours, the guy who they left on the spaceship has been alone for 21 years and is like freaking out. (laughs) And then, uh, he sits back and watches like transmissions from his daughter and his son. And it's just like one of the most like emotionally like wretching things I've ever seen. It's so good. Yeah. And I don't even want to describe it because it's like worth watching for this scene. But it's like, clearly that's the idea. Mm. He had this great idea about like how relativity works and how it would be to like watch your children grow up and miss them. And like, it's really good. And he's acting his dick off, but like, the rest of the movie around it is indescribably stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, it's just so frustrating to watch somebody who has these great ideas and can clearly get great performances out of people. And then just is so inept at everything else. Uh, Very frustrating. Hmm. Um, Then I watched Tim, Mr. Tim Rogers. Yes, the uh, action button reviews are back. The action button reviews are back. He dropped, yes, uh, it was my birthday on Saturday, and then I was very hungover and the next day. she didn't tell day. me. I did tell you. You didn't tell me. <laughs> you wouldn't have come listeners, anyway. Listeners, go back and listen. <laughs> did Bryn tell me? Why would I tell you on, <laughs> on the show? <laughs> uh, but I, had, I, I, I drank a whole bottle of Prosecco, and I was hungover the next day. Nice. And... I was like, what? I guess I'll watch a movie or something while I lay here. My friend texted me, like, emergency. <laughs> Tim Rogers just dropped his... It's been, like, a year or something. It's been, like, six Probably months. Probably more, yeah. It's been a long time since season one. And so he dropped a six-hour review, and it's of Boku, Boku no Natsume, no, yeah. <laughs> which is a <laughs> Japanese uh, game about a child's summer vacation uh, in 1974. Um and we've talked about Tim before. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, does this. He sort of has d- done a what he called a de-branding. Yeah. Where it doesn't have the sort of like loud. Yeah, I was interested in that. He wrote like a. I watched like the first like half hour of it. Uh huh. He he wrote a long post a couple of months ago about how he was going to do a de-branding mm-hmm. uh, where it was going to be less sort of he wanted to be more able to shift styles for the game mm-hmm. and not like have to be locked into these scrolling texts and the sort of frames that he had before. 
So you like wanted to make more filmic things based around the game. I kind of think that's a bit of a bummer, honestly. Like, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll give it a chance no, or whatever. Won't. But I think that like kind of something that I found interesting about him over other people who do long form, you know, video reviews of video games and stuff is that he had this like specific style and this mm-hmm. specific structure and like, you know, there's, there's a million dudes who do video essays about video games and like, you know, change the style and whatever for, for what they're talking about. I liked how his was just like, you know, this sort of like very uh, like self-consciously funny, like the vertical slice, yeah, you know, yeah. like I liked that he had these like segments that he did every time and stuff. Those are still there. Okay. It is just a visual debranding. Mm. Uh, it's, just now it's white text it's it's sort of but he still does chapters he has the bottom line yeah um which is <laughs> when it pops up is so jarring because of he that like so the first like two hours two to two and a half hours i'd say are about the game and the history of the game and then it sort of like goes into a real in-depth concept of like Japanese history and the way Japanese culture is run and his experience in in Japan and like learning about that culture and feeling tells this long story about how his co-workers were like don't play it because it feels like an American playing this game feels creepy to him mm. uh, and then his other friend would be like don't just play it yeah <laughs> it's really good I really liked I was very intrigued by there was a section in the early portion about the word boku and how there's like yeah so many different like personal pronouns in japan yes that are all like you know i'm a little boy yeah. i'm i'm a teen boy i'm a i'm an old woman like yeah i'm a and I'm, you have a different version I'm an of airhead girl I'm yeah a, you have a different version of i that's crazy yeah it's awesome <laughs> and i'd never known that, that. rules <laughs> yeah and like the fact that ma- that made translating it really hard because mm-hmm. it is like, is it a boy's summer vacation? Is it a boy's summer break? Is it my summer break? Yeah. Uh, very, it, the 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 the, it, it's all very very interesting. Uh, what's different about this one is that it goes into a multi-hour long, uh, personal, uh, tangent about nostalgia. Mm. Um, and what I found really interesting about it is that my f- one of my favorite other content creators, uh, Michael S. Judge, who does the Death is Just Around the Corner podcast, uh, a couple months ago did a three-part series on nostalgia mm-hmm. um, or nostos. Um, and he talks, his sort of thesis was very similar. Um, Michael's, Michael's thesis was that nostalgia is a weapon. Um, that nostalgia is the fictionalization of childhood and specifically leaves out fear and confusion and Mm -hmm. so many of the things that of what childhood is actually like. Um, and, and it is by definition untruthful. Um, and Tim's whole concept of it is very similar. Um, and he goes back to his hometown in Kansas where he spent like two or three years there um, and has a very emotional and pretty uh, not awkward, but like it's 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 pretty heart wrenching. And, and I feel like he gets at some of this stuff in in the Doom episode mm. um, and the Pac-Man episode when he talks about his like brother. And there there's moments in season one that like have this sort of like. Oh, this is emotionally heavy, but like nothing have really <laughs> like this is really intense and he's clearly not comfortable talking about it. Uh, and it's really good. And I, I was talking about this on the bonus. Like it's weird because you don't really see content like this or art like this. I'll say uh, very much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a new genre of like this personal essay that used to be relegated to books, I feel like. Travel diaries and, and you know, uh, one-man shows, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, these, like, very s- sort of specific live things you could see. Uh, but I feel like a lot, of, a lot of stuff is about 
this now it's like your presentation of your life and you're interacting with the world and just telling that to somebody literarily and with with yeah. with with uh with style and flourish but it's very personal yeah i mean i think that's uh, that's the direction that a lot of content is going in mm-hmm. now where like i i see it in my own stuff a lot like uh you can go back through or in your like, own like in your uh, like in my like city skylines videos yeah. like if you go back through like because i've got like two two and a half years of it now going back through those and like listening to some of them i'm like i can't believe how much i just like talk about what's going on in my life over <laughs> making a city on a video game i mean that's how the bonus episodes of this show are. yeah for sure like <laughs> it's it, it just becomes to the point where like once you are making content long enough and you are doing it enough and it's such a huge part of your life that like th- they just inevitably become very autobiographical yeah and I think it's interesting as a culture, we're sort of like less and less scared of keeping things private. And I think I have always been on the side of that. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or because I'm thinking about it just just because I think about things critically. I'm like, there's a part of me that is like, wait, is this okay? Is this something we want to do? Yeah. Uh, um, I've always been like, why hide anything about yourself? Like, yeah. Like, you know why it makes me like it it makes me feel really good honestly like to know that there's so much of my life out there like this because i think so much about how little i know my dad and like how little he probably knew his dad and even worse going back generations and stuff (laughs) it's nice to know that like even though there's so much like social pressure and like you know, just like a whole lifetime of social hangups that will exist between me and Nico, you know, at various points in our lives. It's nice to know that if he ever wants to know me better, right. there's like stuff that he can go and actually look at and be like, wow, this is what my dad was like when he was in his 20s and 30s, you know? Like if I'm never able to actually express that to him the way that I'd like to, like it's nice to know that he has that, you know? Sorry, I'm imagining him listening to this. <laughs> it's fucking me up a little. Um, <laughs> um, yes, but it's it's. I think it's it's it's. I think it's okay. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to. I think it's nice that there's this inclination that like people aren't afraid anymore. That like it's okay to be seen as whoever you are. That you can be honest mm-hmm. in public and some people are going to be assholes and some people are going to connect with that and find beauty and, and, and help in it. Um, weirdly. And I wasn't planning on bringing this up, but, uh, true anon of all places, do you know that podcast yeah, yeah. brace Belden and Liz Franzak and young Chomsky, they just started this, uh, incredible series. That's like blowback, you know this american life level produced like with music and they're clearly reading scripts and stuff it's about the history of something called synanon which mm-hmm. is like this uh sort of cult um this cult uh alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous type thing uh that developed this sort of attack therapy about like shouting and like making you f- you know but it happened to brace as a as a child. Yeah. He, he got sent away to like one of those crazy schools. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, and, and he like his like forthcomingness on it is really jarring and, and disarming. Um, yeah, Cause he's usually such a, like he's such a like big, like uh like irony guy. Like he's, it always feels like he's just like not being serious ever. Like he's such a jokey, like, like distancey guy even he talks about that like it's a part of the reason he's like that is mm. because he went through this extremely traumatic thing um and it's really really good and i feel like a lot of people haven't it didn't get as much like traction online as like something like blowback yeah i feel like has. i never even hear anything about true on anymore i mean it just came out like today um but like michael helped with it and it's it's really really good and it's the f- it's just the first episode is out now so also, listen to that. Uh, it's not re- definitely not a movie. There's no visual elements at all. <laughs> but since we're talking about... It's a listen-y. Be, it's, a, <laughs> it's a hear-y. It's a hear-y. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those are the things I watched this week. 
Tim's stuff is really good. And yeah. um, I was saying he's like something like this generation Spalding Gray. Yeah, um, he's he's very easily like one of one of the most important like content guys right now. I feel it, like it, in terms it was of like the art seven, criticism. Mm -hmm. If it was the seventies, he'd be called an essayist, and yeah. he'd be in the New York Magazine or whatever. New Yorker. That's the one. Yeah, uh, New York Magazine is the one that's the all like trashy one, yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the New Yorker. Uh, Top and, ten restaurants in the Lower East Side. And so when you look NY at it, Mag. <laughs> yeah, the, it's like the thrillist, but yeah. better brand. And it's all very obviously the the restaurants that paid them for the spot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Tim is like I think it, it's easy to look at him and his his videos and be like eleven hours on a video game. Why would I ever watch this? And I I I encourage you to pick a shorter one, especially Pac Man or Doom. Or just watch it in installments. It's yeah. totally okay to not watch it in one sitting. Which, like treat it like a series. Mm -hmm. I think it's really good. And uh, this whole concept of nostalgia, there's sort of a backlash towards it. And I think it's really important and good. And I think if you're not going to pay Michael S. Judge for his show, which most people are probably not going to do, definitely check out this, uh, this one because it's a very similar uh, thesis. Uh, also, game looks cool. It's just a fun watch. Yeah. All right. Time for our feature presentation. That's right. And uh, this week, kicking off spooky season. The spooky season arrives. We watched the 1999 classic Tim Burton joint, Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow starring Christina Ricci and Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken. And a bunch of uh, a bunch of character actors. A lovely Tim Michael Burton. Michael Gambon, Christopher yeah. Lee, Jeffrey Jones, some real classics. Jeffrey Jones, big pedophile. Is he really? Yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised, I guess, but uh, <laughs> the, 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 he's one of those guys where, like, obviously you're like, you're like, look at his face. Come on. <laughs> he looks so fucked up. I know we're not supposed to do that anymore, but I mean, look at this guy. Come on. Yeah. And That's a fucking diddler if I've ever seen one. Yes. He was arrested in 20, 2002 for CP. Mm. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway. That's Carrie Potter. Harry Potter, <laughs> the girl Harry Potter. The girl Harry Potter is more progressive. It's more woke. <laughs> J.K. Rowling wrote a trans Harry Potter to make up for all of her bad tweets. <laughs> uh, uh, so Tim Burton uh, released a great movie once again. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is this is mid career uh, Timmy. He's done he's done a good number of movies at this point. This is coming right after or right before, uh, I think it's right before um, uh, Planet of the Apes, right? Yes, the worst movie. Because Apes is, Apes is when everybody like sees behind the curtain and they're like, wait a tick, this guy might be actually not that great. <laughs> well, it's interesting because he does, you know, his, his career is probably at the top of his game, I would say at Batman Returns, and I don't know how Ed Wood was received. I think it um, was like I think it was well like it was critically well received but not like financially a huge hit probably would be my guess. Yes, it was a box office bomb. And then he did Mars Attacks, which was a success. Yeah. Uh a movie that I think a lot of people don't think feels like Tim Burton, but going back It very much feels like Tim Burton. It's a big Tim Burton movie. But it's also like I, I think it doesn't hold up quite as much you talked about this and i, I would love to rewatch it yeah. because i l do like this movie a lot or you thought i did um and then three years after that sleepy hollow this is sort of a returning to his roots kind of thing a little bit but it's also like a maturing of it a little bit it's trying to like it's kind of a bit of a uh um it's a bit of like a peek into what will become of the tim burton career yeah. where he's very obviously in this movie trying to broaden a bit like sure. he's still doing his tim burton shit but he's trying to make it more accessible for the average movie goer to be like you know this is a regular movie you don't have to be into my shit you know what this feels like this feels like a look i can make you a hit i can make you a regular movie with 
I can compromise and I can put my stamp on it and I'll make money. Yeah. Like he's trying to prove that because Edwin and Mars Attacks, well, Mars Attacks was somewhat of a financial success. It cost 70 million to make and made a hundred million, which is profit, but not a hit. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Sleepy Hollow, though, it's also 70, 207 yeah. million. So this feels like, how do I how do I get them to let me do Big Fish, is what it feels like. Right. Because um, then he does Planet of the Apes, also a big hit. Um, but everybody hates it. Critically, a bad movie. I, I think, mean, I think people in general, like, I think everybody who went to, like, I think everybody went to see it because they were like, well, this is the big movie. But then they went to see it and they were like, this sucks. I guess. Because I, I feel like I remember hearing like word of mouth wise when it came out, people being like, fuck that. Don't go see that. It was the second highest opening weekend of any film behind the Lost World Jurassic Park. Wow. It was uh, it was a big hit. I don't I don't know. I don't know. It It's terrible. I hate that movie. Yeah, uh, everybody <laughs> does. Literally everybody does. I don't know. I don't know I've how to explain stuff like that. I've never met a person who likes it. It feels like just like a group of people who are just like, cool movie. No, Apes. I really think it's. I really think it's that Tim Burton was a big name. Planet of the Apes is a big property. You put the two together, it has a huge opening weekend. It has diminishing returns every week after that, but it's already made enough money that it's a huge fucking hit. I guess so. That would be my guess. <laughs> and then he made Big Fish. Um, so this is kind of right in the transition period between a weird i mean i don't know because he also does batman mm-hmm. and batman returns um but that which are also huge hits yeah i i guess it's 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 um this is more of like a tim burton idea this is more him saying like i can do because batman is him mm. being like i can take the movie you want made and i can make it and i can make it really good yeah and it'll make money this is him being like, I can take the movie I want to make and make it really good and make money. That's fair. I right. think that's totally true because that that follows with Big Fish and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Sweeney Todd and all these remakes he starts doing. Yeah. Did I say Big Fish? I didn't mean Big Fish. Obviously, that's one he... That's a passion project. That's a passion project, which I still like. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he has such a fascinating, strange career which we'll get into. Yeah. Um, but this movie is pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, uh, Johnny Depp plays Ichabod Crane. He's a New York City police constable. He's really into forensic science, but all of his policemen peers are all like, that's stupid. That doesn't <laughs> work. We just throw people in a hole in the ground. Right. I feel like this. I was laughing that this movie has a real like Reddit atheist feel to it yeah where it's like a nerd who thinks he's smarter than everybody uh because he knows about science you know it's funny though is that so they so his boss the judge uh saruman uh christopher lee (laughs) christopher lee uh sends him up to sleepy hollow to investigate the headless horseman murders and whatever and and he's like he's like okay if you want to be mr science boy yeah why don't you go up to sleepy hollow and fucking prove it dude <laughs> and then he goes up and he he does this whole thing and then we don't hear about the conclusion of that i don't know if he gets to practice his science back home again he just we just know that he gets christina ricci to move with him right <laughs> which is like was that set up was exactly that, he's the, like was you were lonely the thing was? <laughs> you're just going to get pussy <laughs> Uh yeah, it's weird because he's like, and now we'll go back to New York City, and I was like, trying to become the head full horseman, where everyone hates me. <laughs> uh yeah, so he goes up there. Yeah, so he goes up to Sleepy Hollow, and uh, he's like, I heard a bunch of people were murdered, and this dude is like, let me tell you all about it. So there's a headless horseman. Mm-hmm. He was a Hessian during the Revolutionary War, and he loved to kill, and then he got killed, and they cut his head off, and now he comes and he collects heads, and that's what's happening, and that's the story. And uh, Ichabod Crane, of course, is like, uh, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> that can't be what it is. That can't be what it is. That can't be explained by science. There's no such thing as a headless horseman. And then uh, through a series of events, he sees somebody get their head chopped off by a headless horseman. And he says, well, damn, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we see a bunch of people get chopped up. And uh, 
we learn eventually that uh, he well he he theorizes that the horseman is looking for his skull and whoever has his skull can control him to kill whoever uh, that person wants killed. And uh, then uh, we find out that it's uh, Christina Ricci's stepmother uh, yes. who's been controlling it the whole time. She's a witch. And uh, then um, they kill her, or they don't. They they just beat her, and they get the skull back. And then she they give actually it. gets carried away by the horseman. Yeah, they, they give the skull back to the horseman. He becomes whole again, and he uh, bites her face, and then takes her to hell. Yes. And then uh, Ichabod and Christina Ricci move back to New York City. The end. Right. It, it's. It's pretty simple, but it's also really convoluted. Yeah, there's like, a lot of shit. <laughs> it, it's it's more complicated than it really needs to be. And I think it's... I usually would not like that in a movie, but it's uh, it's kind of in the service of just making it fun and like be like, what is happening? I know, I do find We're it charming at like... times. Like, I appreciate that there is a real... That there's a real mystery at the core of this. Like that it's 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 not a I mean I've I've described other things as this before that it's not a who done it it's a why done it right it's like from the get go you know there's a real headless horseman it's really happening there's no magic you know <laughs> like there there's no like a uh, guy in a mask or whatever doing it you see him do it and you're like well damn that's the headless fucking horseman well, I feel like there's a, a very early on there's a little bit of like is it just the guy who threw the pumpkin at his head mm. you know like and then it pretty quickly dashes those things but it it keeps trying to be like well is it a trick or is it not a trick yeah and 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 i appreciate that there's like rules and little things that you learn throughout it where like uh i kind of they they kind of fuck it up a little bit but like i like that you know the horseman only kills who he's sent to kill like when johnny depp figures that out and then like that he can't go into the church and like that sort of shit that's all fun um i like it a lot i um what was your experience with it like had you you saw it when came out i saw it in theaters yeah oh really Uh uh-huh you were pretty young yeah yeah yeah. like 10 been like uh 10 or 11. 11 yeah I definitely saw it in theaters. I liked it. I had it on DVD. I watched it a few times. I've seen it plenty of times at this point. Oh, okay. Um, I was always I was a Tim Burton fan for like really? a pretty long time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I obviously was. I think up um, through like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I would have probably called myself a Tim Burton fan. Mm-hmm. I was a big Tim Burton fan. Uh, I this <laughs> this movie I remember watching on DVD. I did not see it in theater mm-hmm. for some reason. I think it was because it was rated R. It wasn't allowed. So when I was like thirteen, I saw it like two Your years. Your parents after. were like, "It's too secular." It was rated R. I was a kid. <laughs> they wouldn't allow. Uh, I couldn't watch R-rated movies unless my parents screened them first. Mm. Um, so I believe I bought this on DVD when I was like thirteen or fourteen and watched it. Your parents saw it and they were like, the Headless Horseman is from hell. And I don't know how his deal is structured. I don't want to be giving anybody in hell <laughs> any back end money. <laughs> I guess. Who knows what's going on in my parents' head. Uh, but uh, my big issue with it was that it wasn't Tim Burton-y enough. Mm. I, I, I was, for whatever reason, I remember not being a little disappointed. Like, I was like, this isn't like scissor hands. This isn't like Beetlejuice. Yeah, there's the wacky tree. He's got like some. He's got some gear. gear. Uh, and it, watching it now, it's ridiculous to think that it's like not stylized enough. Like yeah. it looks like fucking Bloodborne. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous looking. It's awesome. I mean, I, I love it. I I like it a lot. I really. I think it like. I I was thinking today that it's kind of like once you once you understand camp. Yes. You know, once you understand that Tim Burton is goth camp, right? Mm, for sure once you get that about him, this movie becomes so much more fun to watch because like it's, it, I was thinking of it in terms of like uh Django unchained and how like every time somebody gets shot in Django unchained, like the blood squib is like four times too big. <laughs> and you know, it's just because like Quentin Tarantino, like, thinks that's funny and cool and yeah. he loves blood squibs. So he's like, why don't we just make them gigantic? And it's crazy. Right. And, and so every time somebody gets shot, there's blood just fucking everywhere all the time. Right. And then this I was watching and it's like every time, like anytime, anytime, like you touch anything, dust everywhere. <laughs> anytime you like close a book, you turn the page. Every time you like touch the horse, you know, like every single thing, dust instantly. <laughs> 
there's so much of that type of stuff like the way that everybody talks like everything yeah like uh there's like when he goes to the party and like he has the little confrontation with the one dude and the um uh michael gambon's character like comes out to uh comes out to like break up the the argument but he like does it like bad theater where like he's like like the two of them are like shouting at each other and he's like he's like i will have no shouting at my party right but he's (laughs) saying it literally as he's walking into the room like he couldn't have heard what was happening (laughs) he's walking from another room just like i will have no shouting at my party you're ichabod crane (laughs) i love how like cheap and campy it is all the time yeah no it's a it's a it's funny I didn't. I didn't even remember. I, f- I remember this movie. I saw it literally one time. Mm. I saw it on DVD one time, so I did not remember this movie very well. If you had to ask me how it was, I remember it being taken taking itself very seriously. Mm. It was played very straight. It's a little. It's a little dark. In my memory, it looks like that sort of early two thousands blue filter all yeah. over it doesn't look like that no it's it's uh it looks like tim burton shit yes, it looks it like looks when like you tim see burton the shit. town it looks crazy <laughs> yes it does i like that it, it looks like sets everything looks like sets but in the best way possible yes it's uh it's a very tim burtony movie and Do- johnny's johnny's performance is great mm-hmm. he's he's uh constantly shaken <laughs> yeah and like about to throw up or faint uh his Ichabod crane is very uh i like that he's always trying to have authority though mm-hmm. like one thing about like a lot of Ichabods that you've seen in other media is that they know they're a coward you know they're usually right. not trying the choice to make him a cop is very funny because it makes him like he's a coward but he's trying his best to have some sort of authority because he knows stuff and he knows that people are weak of mind and he's just weak of will and, and strength, you know, heart. Uh, (laughs) so he's just like, I know what I'm talking about. Don't worry. And then every time he like sees the thing, he's like, Oh my God. Well, and I love, (laughs) I love how like, because he's kind of like at the forefront of this burgeoning science that like, not only does nobody believe in, but also he like isn't totally sure how much of it works or what any yeah, of it does he's or whatever. Figuring it out too. Like I love when uh, there's like a dead body and he's like he's like, "Have you moved the body?" And he's like, "Well, yes." And he's like, "You must never move the body." And they're like, "Why?" He's like, "Well, because." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really know what to say he for- ever. Forgets. He's like, I'm, "There's a reason, though." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's like. Um, I wrote on. I wrote on Letterbox today that it's like. I feel like there's so many factors that you associate with Tim Burton, right? There's like, there's creepiness, there's funniness, there's campiness, there's like designy stuff. There's all these different parts of him. And this is kind of the most that he's been able to like rein them in and keep them appropriately compartmentalized. I feel sure. a lot of times in his movies, I feel like tonally they're hard to really get your hands around because you're like, I don't know. Am I supposed to be laughing now? Is this supposed to be touching? Am I supposed to be scared? Like mm-hmm. it's always a little bit of each, but not really sure where they're supposed to be. This one, like I feel like it really hits everything pretty nicely where it's like, this is a funny scene. You're supposed to laugh now. This is a scary scene. You're supposed to be scared now. And some of it is creepy and, and it's, it never feel it's funny that this movie is rated R. Yeah. <laughs> Cause of all the blood. Yeah. Because of all the blood and like, pr- I mean, people with their heads completely chopped off, you see yeah. into their bodies. It's gory kind of but it's so cartoony and kind of it feels like a kid's movie yeah and i think that's what makes it really good as a halloween movie because it doesn't take itself very seriously it feels like a a mist it you know has the same uh it's like goth knives out Mm -hmm. like it the mystery isn't as good but like the tone is very kind of silly in places um i like that like the blood looks like the candle wax. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> but it's 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 this weird like like reversal of how you would do it, right? Where like 
you can tell that when he did the candle wax scene at the beginning where they're like setting the seal on the envelope of the guy's will, you can tell that he was like, I want the wax to look like blood, you know, right. and that's going to be like, you know, kind of like a, a forbearance of like what's going to happen later. But then like instead of making the wax look like blood, they make he the made blood the blood look like <laughs> wax. <Yeah. laughs> it's so funny how shitty the blood looks. It yeah, looks like, it's like paint. It's a clear decision. Yeah. Like like later when he does it to the tree, it's pretty bloody looking. Mm-hmm. Um but like when he does the autopsy and it goes on his glasses, it looks like it's fucking wax. It's just yeah. like um there's a lot of really fun visual decisions. Uh Christina Ricci is is not very memorable in this movie. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck she's doing here. Um She's just sort of bored. The only thing that I can think of that she helps is like giving us somebody for the stepmom to be mad at. Just Uh, like I I just need somebody for her to be in like related to for me to remember. (laughs) Yeah. Because otherwise like her husband dies already and I'm like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know what though? Some of it is a little sloppy, but it, it, it feels sloppy in the way like a late 90s. Yeah. adventure movie is and it's like it's not that big of a deal it's still there's never so much of that stuff that you're like this is boring and i'm i don't care it's like yeah it's pretty it's pretty like snappy and entertaining all the way through it yeah. really doesn't dip very much the action scenes are fun it kind of reminds me of the like steven summer's mummy mm-hmm. where it's just like a lot of like laughs and fun in the action scenes yeah where it's just like this guy you're fighting us you're doing a sword fight with yeah, a just guy like with a fun head. bumbly thing like he doesn't know how to use the sword and so he like has to you know uh, improvise and whatever that shit's always gonna be fun to me right um uh, and then it is really gory cuts a guy in half you know yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty pretty crazy uh when he uh, they're all in the church and uh he can't go in the church for oh some yeah reason. so he stakes the guy through the window <laughs> like yeah yeah um like yeah a you grappling can t- hook well he can't go into the church because it's well maybe because it's a holy site but also you see christina ricci drawing the rune right on the floor like she's a perfectly functional character for stuff like that like he thinks she's a witch and she's the one doing it and then it turns out that it she's actually the one trying to protect yeah. him and everyone else um but you just you you see, a- but you see him like throw his axe on the ground and it like dissolves yeah. and so he knows that he can't go in so that sort of stuff is is nice. It I all guess. reads. Yeah. It, uh, it, it there's no you know it's a well constructed thing. I love when the stepmom reveals herself as the bad guy, and it's just one of those times where you're watching and you're like, I just can't believe that Tim Burton isn't gay. <laughs> it is so impossible to believe <laughs> that a straight man wrote that character. <laughs> well, he didn't write it. I mean, he never writes. Oh no, this that's stuff, true. He doesn't but... write this stuff. But I mean, like, he just loves this like big body woman character. Yeah, like he always has these like these like drag icon characters where you're just like, I don't believe you. The Tim. fact that he hasn't made a, like a divine movie. Yeah. Or or like, yeah, he's. This clearly... is why I posted today that like that it must like burn his ass so much that he didn't come up with Cruella Deville. <laughs> <laughs> like that's such a Tim Burton ass character. It's crazy he didn't direct that movie. Yeah, I still kind of want to watch that movie. It I seems do like too, it's yeah. going to be crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's funny because she's monologuing. You know, I'm the villain, and here's the reason why. Yeah, uh, and she's in this like gigantic dress, and she just is so fucking campy. Christina Ricci's just like, what? Okay, <laughs> that's crazy. You killed all those people yourself. That's Whoa. nuts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like flashbacks to her cutting people's heads off and mm. stuff. It's a great time. Uh, and, and she then- like lit fucking <laughs> when she sends in the the horseman into the uh, into the windmill to go after them, and she just hides the skull behind her back. <laughs> it's like a cartoon. It's so funny. <laughs> Christopher Walken is, uh, I think. An interesting choice, but also kind of adds to the camp factor. I this think. was at the time where there was like memes of him being like, he's showing up in the movie for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, and that's people were using him just to be like, look, it's Christopher Walken, not to really have him do anything, even though he's yeah. an incredible actor. <laughs> he's very underutilized, but it's like, 
it's an interesting place to put him, I think, as this like fearsome German warrior with filed down teeth and shit. Like, <laughs> so weird. Why not, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it w- I mean, it works for me. Uh, I love a lot of the visuals around him. Mm-hmm. Like when he like roars out of the tree. Like that's, yeah, that's, a, pretty sick. that's nightmarish. It's strange, but it's also Wh- so f- weird. It's funny. It- when the meat starts to like grow back on his head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, that's cool. It's a it's a bit of a fluffy movie. Like mm. I, I don't really have much to say about it. Well, we're right. Um, we did it. Oh, we did it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I felt like we were underserving it. Uh, I it, it's um. It I, was it's such a good movie that the half hour just flew by. Flew on by. I feel like I think what I wanted to say about it is that it's it's a, it just doesn't reach for much. Mm-hmm. What it does, it firmly gra- It's it's hitting its mark. Absolutely. Um, it's just trying to be a fun Halloween movie. Uh, yeah. And it's not really trying to be a horror movie, but it kind of has the rhythm of a horror movie. Um, it's more trying to be like a weird mystery. And I like, I re- I wish more horror movies were mysteries. Like, yeah. I wish there was more like Knives Out style movies where the, the kills were scary. Um, and that's kind of what it is. So it's a little bit unique. I think for me... Tim Burton is just such a a specific voice and, and visual stylist that like it's not Beetlejuice, you know. Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice is like this insane, incredibly inventive aesthetic, you know. And every single f- scene has like new visual ideas, um, and I really always want him to go back to that. Um, have you you seen Beetlejuice? Of course, yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. I love Beetlejuice. Um, I love Edward Scissorhands, too. And I feel like he just never really went back to doing that. Like, he's always sort of... Now it's just spooky. And I think this was the first time I saw Tim Burton being just spooky. Mm. And it's, of course, visually, aesthetically high concept. But it's not as, like, surreal. Yeah. And, and I mean, you just like you don't get, you don't get two Beetlejuices. I guess I just not. Don't think that happens. You don't think he's got it in him? I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> That's kind of the thing, right? Is like you really only come up with that once, like because there's so many things in Beetlejuice, right? It felt like he that movie feels like a kid who had filled multiple journals with drawings mm-hmm. and then was like, "I'm only gonna get to make one movie. I'm gonna put every single idea I've ever had in this one movie." Yeah. And then can't just like do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's it's so specific on absolutely everything in it. Like the like the waiting room is already on its own. Just like wow, that's cool, incredible. What a great idea! And then you also have like the miniature world and like uh-huh. all the stuff is so like like digging up the miniature ground and whatever. Like the whole story as an idea, like this like weird yeah. poltergeist guy who was like the bad ghosts and then there's the right the nice ghosts and like it's such a weird idea mm-hmm. um and i i feel like for me as a fan of of his early work and later work like i really like big fish and i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure i think it holds up it's just like visually more normal and there's fun ideas in it but i was disappointed as a kid to see him going towards accessible sort of like lightly visually aesthetic interesting stuff yeah um but as an adult this is a very very gothy spooky thing and it's a good time at the movies and a fun movie i think if you haven't seen it i highly recommend it as a good halloween movie light flick yeah all right well that's the movie thank you so much for listening to the podcast this is a generation loss if you'd like to hear more generation loss you can go to patreon.com slash generation loss and hear a bonus episode every week where we talk every goddamn week. every fucking week where we talk about the movie news what did we talk about this week we talk about mostly the movie news we, we talked about Dahmer this week we talk about Dahmer. we talk about exploitation and whether people have the right to their own stories uh interesting spoiler po- alert they don't they don't we hate them uh yeah so you can go there and listen to that. You can get Discord access where we hang out and watch the movies we're going to talk about the week before. Uh, listen to 
my new show about the cure called Close to Me, uh, wherever you find podcasts. Um, follow us on Twitter at Generation Loss or Gen Loss Pod. Listen to Jeremy's other show, Al Bummer. That's right, GiantBomb.com. Hey, listen to BB Bledis too if you haven't heard of that. Hey, why not? Why not? Uh, otherwise, uh, I think that's all. I forget. I, I, I mix myself up by plugging some other stuff that I don't usually do. But until next time, that's, that's movies. movies.